Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. So what are we smoking today, Nate? We are starting our nub series. Uh and nub nub is is what? Just the uh the brand name of the cigar, right? Uh nub is the series. I believe that these are Olivia's. Okay. Uh, and we're starting with the uh nub Cameroon. Yes. We have uh seven of them, I wanna say. <laughs> I'll double check that before we uh, commit to the number. Yes, there's there's some number greater than two, probably less than ten. We have seven. We have seven. Yes, and the nubs are by, I'm pretty sure the nubs are by Olivia. So, they're good. Nubs are kind of their own. Oh, Olivia. I thought it was Olivia. Oh, that's the name of my niece. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of my nieces. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to start it off with the Nub Cameroon. Uh, yes. You can get these uh, bushel packs from Pipes and Cigars uh, for a pretty reasonable price, given the expense of the uh, stick. On this wrapper uh, is a little bit lighter. Not, uh, I wouldn't go full on to call it a Connecticut, but... Uh, it's not quite as, as dark as a Maduro. It is firmly in the uh, medium category. And it's got good draw off the bat. Yes. Uh, this is a four-inch cigar. Very girthy. Yes. They have the reputation of being a four-inch cigar that smokes like a six-inch cigar. For length. Yes. So, I'm sure you can hear the uh, third podcaster in the background. She's gotten getting very excited. <laughs> she loves podcast day. She does. She loves every day. Well, why wouldn't you? As a dog. Right. right. Well, two of the cats decided they wanted to hang out uh, with us. Perfect. EB. So. I got a dog and two cats. I would say the... First couple puffs, it's, it tastes fairly, uh, fairly medium. Yep, that nice, uh, good flavor, but medium. We'll see. I've had a nub before, I think. Okay. Um, pretty sure that we got one at uh, Tobacco Grove a while ago. Yes. And uh, and I, I had, had one too. Band. Yeah, I think, was that one called, I think that one was just like Blonde or something, the one that I got. Um, okay. I'm not sure. I'd have to go look. I could be way off, but. I tried a couple of puffs off of one that was a Cameroon. Okay. Uh, by someone we both know. Let me try their cigar. So, uh, you know them better than I do. <laughs> that is interesting. Yes. Yes. They are a big fan of uh, the nubs, the okay. layer nubs. How do I know them better? I don't know anybody that smokes cigars. Yes, you do. You're related to them, kind of. My brother? By marriage. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my brother? Oh, yeah, no, wait, that's, that's the queen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I uh, heard the best theory ever on how uh, Queen Elizabeth died. 
Okay. Uh, I'm not sure how many of our listeners are followers of Gail Cord Schuler, but uh, she's an internet law cloud and she's hilarious. And uh, she's got all kinds of theories about all sorts of wonderful things. But the one about Queen Elizabeth was that she died having sex with a horse. Okay. And uh, it's a very long story. I'm not going to get into it. If anybody wants to find out the truth behind the Queen's death, uh, it involves Prince Andrew and uh, a horse and blood thinners. Okay. And also, uh, if that boy returns, uh, that's on page two. Uh, I did see some pretty funny memes because, of course, uh, being the head monarch of a, you know, colonial country uh, that has given everybody an Independence Day, which is the one uh, one holiday most countries share in the world, independence from Britain. Um, there are people on both sides of the uh, the spectrum. Some are very sad to see her have passed. And this is, you know, this will be a couple of weeks after the fact, but... That's what has most recently happened in the news. And, uh, and some are uh, happy that she passed. And one of, the, uh, one of the ones that I saw that was pretty funny was, um, you know, listing a bunch of like Queen Elizabeth's uh, good things. And the last one was, and being a good, a good cousin to her husband. So, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they are third cousins or were. And, um, well, they're definitely inbreeders. Yes. Inbreeders and uh, pedal protectors. So I thought they, uh, Prince Andrew's involvement with the Queen's death in Gail Schuler's version of events was uh, quite hilarious. Not sure if she quite caught on to that, but it was pretty good all the same. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of uh, royal royal families that are really just kind of uh, figureheads, and nothing more. Uh, what do you want to talk about tonight? Well, I figured we'd talk about Donovan's Reef. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. I tried to get my Sarah in on the action. Um, it's a I, tough I sell, got dude. My... <laughs> tough sell. That's what she said. <laughs> Literally. Yep. Why do you want me on this podcast so bad? I oh, I like, thought oh. It, I, I was saying uh, tough sell to actually watching Donovan's Reef. Oh, she loves it. I told her that you didn't oh, like it. Oh, God. And she was like, what? <laughs> okay, so um, let's, let's, set the, let's set the stage a little bit, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up watching John Wayne movies with my dad and grandpa, and we watched primarily all of John Wayne's cowboy movies, Western, yes. Western flicks. And we yes. would dabble occasionally into his war flicks. But we were pretty firmly in the, the you know the westerns, you know, so sure. True Grit and the Searchers, Big Jake, and Big Jake Sons of Katie Elder, um, uh, Angel and the Bad Man, the great yep, one, North to Alaska. Um, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, I should watch uh, that. Rio, uh, and then Rio Grande, Rio Bravo, and Rio Lobo, and two of those are the same yep. film, but with different people. I mean, John Wayne's in both, um, right? Let's see, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and The yep. Shootist. I mean, there's the more. Shootist. You yep. know, The Train I, Robbers. Uh, I've seen almost all of those films, other yes. than uh, North to Alaska. Uh, and then, so, uh, my first exposure to Donovan's Reef was when I was in high school, and uh, my uh, parents and grandparents were watching it, 
and I just couldn't get into it. And so I left and did something else uh, in grandpa's basement, which sounds super sketch, but it really wasn't, but he had cable so I could go watch whatever I wanted. Um, And then Mike was telling me that it was one of his favorite uh, John Wayne movies. And so I said that I would watch it again and give it another shot. And so, you know, I did. And I still don't like it, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm excited to kind of get into why, because it's not just like, a, I don't know, there's, there's reasons is all I'll say. Sure. So I generally like John Wayne films, but I really like his uh, non-traditional Western films. Uh, I'm not a big fan of traditional Western films. I'm more of a uh, spaghetti Western kind of guy. Yeah. So I like McClintock and some of the more uh, absurd works that he's done, which I would consider Donovan's Reef in there. The Quiet Man's in there. Yeah. You know, uh, what is it, Brannigan, where he's a detective. Okay. You know, uh, I like The Shootist because it kind of turns the whole Western genre upside down, yes. especially for a John Wayne film, you know? Well, and that's why I like The Searchers so much because for, and have you seen that one? Yes, I have. Uh, for that one, like for, I don't know, three quarters of the movie at least, or maybe more. Uh, 3.8 out of four is is of the movie. You think John Wayne is the bad guy, and he's going to straight up shoot his niece. Uh, right. And it's not till the very end. So, you know, for him to play a bad guy at all is for that era, even if you're a big major movie star hero, like that's fairly rare because back then you got typecast a lot into the, you know, the hero slash villain. Absolutely. Um, so I like that one a lot. And the cinematography is great. That's also a John Ford. Uh, Donovan's Reef is a John Ford. Yep. Yep. Have you ever seen Iron Sky? Yeah. Yes. I like that one a lot too. Is, wait, is that the one with uh, John Wayne? Or are you talking no, 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 like the 2017? No. no, no. The one with John Wayne. The one with oh, John okay. Wayne, nope. Nope. I've seen the one with Nazis on the moon, which also is a great movie. Okay. Maybe it's not Iron Sky. I own the film. I can tell you. Later. Okay. I thought it was Iron Sky. It's where their uh, World War II uh, deployment or uh, World War II pilots that are dropping off payloads of supplies and they get they, the plane comes down. Okay. And, I know, uh, like San Jima. Oh, island in the sky. Island in the okay. sky. Yeah, and their plane goes down in the Arctic Circle, and they all go insane. Oh, and, you know, yeah, oh yeah. One guy that like starts going crazy and like wanders off into nowhere, and it's actually uh, interesting, uh, especially for a John Wayne movie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen this one. Yes, Island in the Sky. They did. It was. It came out in theaters, and then they never released it on DVD. Until we were, well, until I was in high school. You okay. probably were in high school, too. That's probably uh, why I've never seen it, because my grandfather had all of it on VHS, and then he slowly uh, converted his collection to DVD. Yes. Yeah, I, I watched it on AMC. Uh, it was the first screening of the movie in, like, you know, how many okay. years. But it came out right before The Flying Tigers, and The Flying Tigers just oh, kind of, like, yep. sank it, because... It's kind of negative, <laughs> or it's a psychological movie, which wasn't popular at the time. Yeah, and not really in uh, John Wayne's fans' wheelhouse. Right. That's I, I. They were popular. They just weren't popular for John Wayne. Yeah, because you had. I mean, you had a lot of Hitchcock films out at that time, and those were mostly psychological thrillers. Um, right. I mean, some were 
borderline kind of more of your straight up horror, but they're all kind of have that psychological who's the killer uh, kind of vibe to them. So, but when you go to a John Wayne movie, you're expecting, you know, six shooters and brains in the teeth and swearing at people. So, right. My dad, uh, my dad calls it the John Wayne gun, which is a yeah, single no. action Colt that never runs out of bullets. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like the John Wayne rifle, which is the, uh, the Henry rifle with the oval, oval, uh, lever that he can swing while he's yes. riding on horseback. To, yes. re, to reload. <laughs> Even at 65 or 70 years old. Yes. Yes. But this was back before CGI, so you know he was really doing it. Um, yes. Yeah, he was really doing it. Yeah, he yeah. was. <laughs> was he hitting whatever he was aiming at? Probably not. But, you I'm know, guessing that's, not. that's the movie magic. Right. Um, so let me just up front say that I was fairly excited about rewatching Donovan's Reef even though I had such a negative um, uh, thing coming into it. But I, I, I really enjoy Lee Marvin. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and the other thing is, in the end, I gave it a 6 out of 10. So I won't say that I hated it. You know, it's not a, not a hate. But it's probably more of like I'd watch it if, you know, you liquored me up and were like, hey, do you want to watch Donovan's Reef? Sure, Mike. Right. I'll watch Donovan's Reef with you. Um, but I'm not really going to go seek it out. And here's why. And this is maybe the biggest reason why. Is it starts on Lee Marvin on a boat, and he punches the captain and dives off. And it's like, okay. And then for the next 45 minutes, I was trying to figure out what the hell John Wayne's character's name is. Because they call him three or four different things, but never twice in a row. So mm-hmm. I wasn't quite it's sure. Guns. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is his, which is his rank in, uh, in thing, but you don't hear him. And Michael, I think is his first name. Yep. Michael. Yep. Uh, so they've got like a slew of nicknames and they've got a slew of other names, uh, first names, last names that they call him. And, uh, you know, it was just very confusing to try and, and figure out what his name was. And was he actually the owner of the bar and where all of this free beer was coming from underneath the bar, because they go into the oh, bar, they and everybody all those cigarettes that they throw onto the ground, oh, yeah, and bottles of beer that they break are ridiculous. It's a well, it's a comedy. It's supposed to be farcical. I view it yes. as a farcical movie. Uh, I also think it's hilarious that John or John Wayne is as old as the actor playing the father of the love interest. You know, no. he is clearly thirty. He's clearly number one. He's too old to be a World War II vet. In yep. uh, what year was it? Nineteen sixty-three. But I, because uh, you had told me that, and after I watched <laughs> it, I like to, uh, I like to do the trivia. So I read the trivia on the movie, and apparently, and this, you know, I don't know if this is a hundred percent sure or not, or if this is what John Wayne's estate wants us to believe. But apparently, John Wayne petitioned to have um, a, a more age-appropriate actress play opposite him. And he was very uncomfortable having to play the main love interest to this woman. I have heard that also, and I did not look up trivia. My mother told me that way back when. So, you know, I don't know. But uh, that that was a little weird. And then uh, there were, you know, there were some funny bits, but 
I think if they would have spent just a little more time on, I don't know, uh, character development, just at the beginning, like I don't need, I don't need it to be a three hour movie, you know, Zack Snyder cut of anything, but just a little bit more like setup would make all of the jokes and everything else um, a lot funnier. But what I also heard or read on the trivia was that John Ford was very sick at the time of filming this. And it was actually, I think his last film that he made. Yes. And so John Wayne, I guess, stepped in to direct, you know, somewhere around the 50% of the movie. Because if you watch Donovan's Reef compared to any other John Ford film, it just does not have the same, the same, well, you know, the same cinematography or the, or the things that you would look for in a John Ford film that you've seen in all of the John Ford films. And, and here you are in the, in the tropical uh, Hawaii or, you know, whatever island they claimed it was and yeah, uh, or something yeah. like that yeah. and uh, you don't really get any of the great john ford vistas or and i know it's a comedy farce but you can still do some you know amazing uh things with your with your location right but i think that was overall my biggest gripe is it took me so long to figure out are lee are lee marvin and john wayne actually friends are they not friends? What is John Wayne's name in this movie? And is it actually his bar? Because, you know, and of course it is, you know, Donovan's Reef is the name of the bar and his name is Donovan, but you don't find that out until halfway through the movie. So it's kind of as just somebody coming in and not being very familiar with it. And maybe it's one of those movies where upon repeat viewings, it gets better and better. But I tell you the first, this first rewatch that I did, <laughs> I was, I was fairly confused on uh, characters of what, what was going on. So, Well, full disclosure, I've seen this movie many times. So <laughs> I know the story, I guess. Uh, yes. And I, like I say, I think that the farce is hilarious. Um, no, it's it's enjoyable. and um, Right. A lot of the jokes are relevant to film of that time because, uh, you know, Miss LaFleur, who was uh, Lee Marvin's girlfriend, is a terrible singer, but she's played by Dorothy Lamore, who was with Bing Crosby and uh, what the hell is his name? A Bob Hope in all those damn movies that they did. Oh yeah, like so White she's Christmas like a real professional and... singer. Yeah, and I actually a very heard, good professional singer. <laughs> I heard that the one uh, one of the songs that she sang that wasn't very good. She had like a throat thing, and they didn't want to bother reshooting it or something, so they kind of played it off or whatever. Yeah, she's like just trash. And then I also, <laughs> and then I also read um, that they did a script rewrite and they wrote out a lot of Lee Marvin's um, dialogue and interaction with John Wayne in favor of playing up the romance uh, portion of it. Right. Well, you also have to remember Lee Marvin is the appropriate age to be a World War II vet, and John Wayne is not. Yes, <laughs> John Wayne's but fifteen I, years older than Lee Marvin. But now so. was uh, wasn't wasn't this one of Lee Marvin's like first films or not first films but um, maybe more top billing or something? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's check here because I know like he was in um, Paint Your Wagon with Clint Eastwood, which is a fantastic western slash musical slash comedy slash drama. It's a long one, but it's really good. Um, that's one of those, it's a really weird movie because, uh, 
the woman, the love interest in that movie is is she is she actually Mormon or is she just open to multiple men? And so they I, both Lee Marvin yes. and Clint Eastwood have to like share their wife. So, you know, you can already you already can tell that it's not your standard mm-hmm. kind of John Wayne esque with the the puritanical rules uh, western. Right, and I like Lee Marvin as the scoundrel. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, I, I I like it. And uh, Cesar Romero is a scoundrel. They're all scoundrels, yes. basically. Other than John Wayne, who's like playing John Wayne. Well, he's a just, reformed. He's a reformed scoundrel. Because yes, they talk about scoundrel days. Uh, yes, which he tries to hide from the love interest in yes. Donovan's Reef, and uh, and then they go up and they had uh, that big monument. Which he was trying to like hush hush too, um, right? Well, yeah, and the whole hook of the story is that they're trying to pretend that the children are his and not her father's. Yes, because uh, they're from a different uh, a different marriage because her mother yes she doesn't know about died it. and, still and a woman the, that's not white. Yes, and so he fell in love with a Hawaiian woman or whatever. Um, I don't know if Hawaiian is the right term. I know like uh, Polynesian. Polynesian. Okay, perfect. Um, not meant to be racist in any way, shape, or form. Well, they filmed the movie in, in Hawaii, but it's, it's based in French Polynesia. Okay, yeah. So. Uh, speaking I, of, uh, of French Polynesia, this Cameroon is halfway done. And I think it's getting a little bit sweeter. Um, I, I think it's sweet. It's very smooth. Very pleasant. It is cigar. very smooth. Very uh, nice. I wanted to make sure we talked about it because typically on the show, if it's a, a really good cigar, we don't really talk about it, you know, <laughs> no. because it's like, oh, it's so good. But, you know, it kind of lubricates yes. the conversation as it. A were. little bit of bitterness that was there at the beginning, which is always there at the beginning of the cigar. Yes, it's just kind of melted there. away. It's melted away. It's become a little lighter in taste uh, because of that sweetness, I think. Um, and because the bitterness um, kind of faded away. Yes, and it is very lovely. Quite lovely. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I would say that I actively dislike Donovan's Reef. I think there were maybe a few things that could have been done that would have made it uh, better. Right. I think a lot of the comedy is based on the actors playing the roles, you know? Yeah. Uh, because they're all famous. Cesar Romero's famous. Oh, yeah. Lamar's famous. And they're just being kind of farcical based on their stereotypes. All other than John Wayne. Yes. And it's like stupid little... It's just like joke, 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 joke. Yeah. There's not really a, a need for a lot of background information, you know? No. And I think it is one of those ones where when I watch it again, not if, but, you know, the next time that I watch it... um, I think I'll find it much more enjoyable having gone through it the first time. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I think one of my favorite ones where it's, it's funny, like it's funny. Um, well, well, both of them actually is uh, true grit, grit and rooster Cogburn mm-hmm. because John Wayne plays kind of like a drunk cowboy. And, uh, you know, in the first one, uh, I can't remember the name of the uh, the woman that plays the, um, uh, you know, in in the movie, she's like a child that kind of like hires John Wayne to go 
yes. get, get, get revenge. And um, and she keeps calling him like a washed up old old fat man. And then at the end of that film, he actually like jumps his horse over the fence, like he had been claiming the whole time. And then uh, and I think I think it's in that one. I can't remember if it's in that one or Rooster Cogburn where he's drunk and falls off his horse, and then he's like, "We'll camp here tonight." You know, yes, I remember um, that. <laughs> but then, uh, man, him playing a drunk, belligerent cowboy against Catherine Hepburn was some of the funniest stuff ever, I think. Yeah, uh, well, John Wayne was a good actor, he gets a lot oh, of heat, yeah, uh, because his early films were basically all just the same movie a hundred times. Yeah, well, he started um, out as singing Sandy, the singing cowboy, and he can't sing. Right. <laughs> he, uh, he did play a good scoundrel several times. Yes. Most of the movies that are really good. Even Big Jake, he's a scoundrel. You know, yeah. a total son of a bitch. Uh, you um, know what movie is really good? Hmm. Is The Cowboys. Uh-huh. And uh, that is, I'm trying to remember the, uh, let's see. And man, the bad guy in that one is just nasty. Just nasty. It is, uh, I'm pulling it up here, sorry. I'm so bad at names. It's Bruce Dern. But it's a. Yeah, well, Bruce very, Dern is one of the all time great baddies in Hollywood. He's a very young Bruce Dern, and he's just nasty. But that movie has pretty much everything you want. It's got humor, it's got John Wayne being a badass, it's got, you know, heart, uh, emotion. Um, really good, really good underrated flick. I think. I mean, it wasn't underrated at the time, but like nowadays, when you say, "Hey, do you want to go watch a John Wayne movie?" They're like, "Uh, no, I hate the patriarchy," or something like you know, like right. it's oh, almost it's yeah, almost not socially. He's a, accept- he's, a, he's a he's a man of a different era, so like well, his yeah. political views are definitely not acceptable now. No, um, and even some of the movies, right? Like. They're not politically correct in a no. lot of the movies he's in. No. You know, and it was kind of that. Um, I know. So I know in like film, they've got like black, black exploitation, you know, films that exploit black people. Uh, I don't know if they have a term for, I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing. It's like, you know, indigenous exploitation films or something like that. But sure. You know, I mean, there's a whole genre of those films out there. Um but I don't see many people like celebrating those as much as like the the uh, black exploitation films of the seventies. Even though Tarantino's done a couple couple uh, you know western esque films, like Django is great, right? Which is borderline black exploitation, also. Yes, although uh, the black person is the protagonist. Right. Well, I mean, all the black all the black exploitation films that I have seen. Most of the characters are black, uh, including okay. the protagonist. You know, like oh, Blackula. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's black and Blackula. The um, uh, the the best. Uh, well, not the best, but like the original Night of the Living Dead was mm-hmm. groundbreaking for having the black man survive. Right, and he was a he, well, no, he died. Nope. He was the only one that got out. I thought that he was shot by the police when they showed up. No, he got out of the. He got out of there. Really? See, I yeah. thought that he survived, and then the cops showed up and they shot him. 
Uh, I don't think so. I thought, I thought that was like the, he was the hero that tried to keep everybody alive. And I, I uh, thought he survived. And that was, I remember talking about that. Um, Let me see here. Night of the Living Dead, right? Yep. And I'm looking up another one, uh, another another movie that I wanted to talk about here. Real quick, just just like as, as an in-passing thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm going to look to see the synopsis. Okay. But uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Horribly. Horribly. Uh, because he was the hero. Definitely a hero. Uh, plot. No, 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 no. Yeah, Ben emerges from the cellar, but is shot and killed, and then mistaken for a ghoul. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, everybody. He was the only one that survived, and then the cops showed up. The white cops showed up and killed him. So still, um, there's another movie, and I'm I'm having tr- trouble. I can never really. Uh, Never really remember what the name of this is. Um, but they all kind of, it's like an 80s movie, right? Like an 80s horror movie, and they all go to this house. You know, because uh, you went and watched a movie with uh, uh, Luke and myself. And we've seen a lot of movies, so we can really... Uh... Oh, I think this is it. So we can really, like, call a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we know... The tropes. Um, and I think this is it. I'm pretty sure. I think it is called How- House of the Demon. Or no, Night of the Demons. Sorry, Night of the Demons. And uh, all these all these people show up at this house. And, um, you know, it gets really wild because it's an 80s horror film. But, man, the people we thought were going to walk out of that house alive were not the people that walked out of that house alive. <laughs> so we we both really enjoyed it. Not that it's a great film, but we just enjoyed it because it kept us guessing. Right? Like right. it's one of, you know, it's a, a cliche 80s horror film. But if you can keep the film people guessing, like you're doing something right. Right. Well, that's like uh we just finished up uh Stargate SG1. And we're doing Atlantis, and we're uh, we're watching them all in order they appeared on television. And there's definitely a formula. Okay, and yeah. It's always enjoyable when they break the formula in an unexpected way, uh, which happens less often than is desirable. But yeah, I was gonna say like um, a lot of modern films, or not films, but like a lot of um, more recent, you know, two thousand onward TV shows got very formulaic very fast. I'm thinking I'm thinking Lost, I'm thinking House MD, I'm thinking Dexter. Uh all of these are shows that I never actually finished through to the final season because they got so formulaic. Sure. That it just it wasn't interesting and I just I really didn't end up caring because they weren't doing anything to drive anything forward. I uh I didn't finish at Vikings for the very same reason. Okay. Uh, the show Vikings. I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Oh, uh, you know, the first season is good. The second season's okay. Every single season gets worse and worse and worse. And it ends up being like, I, 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 I left the show when it was like, 
one of the major characters who was the son of the major character suddenly magically became not the son of the former major character. He's like the son of this other guy. And it's yep. like, all right, there's all this sexual intrigue in the show already. And it's like, is there any legitimate children born to any of these fucking women ever? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is not how reality works. Well, and that's and it's uh, breaking my, it's breaking my belief of my belief in the show. Right. Well, and we and we talked about this before when you go back and you you retcon something, mm-hmm. you know, and you go back and we talked about with Doctor Who and even Star Wars, you know, they go back and they say, well, actually, what you watched five seasons ago, that that's not true. We've, we've got the new truth here or something, you know, like they're the new whatever it is. You know, they, they do that um, sometimes in these things and they think. For whatever reason, they think that it's like a great writing, uh, writing uh, gimmick, but it, it's really just a gimmick, and it sucks ass. Like right. it's lazy, um, and then it makes your your viewers wonder if the writers had have even watched the show. Sometimes, you know, like if you go back and you retcon something, and you're like, "Yeah, but there are all these great things that you're kind of undoing by doing this." Right. You know, they think, oh, it's going to be a big twist, like a soap opera twist. Well, keep that stuff in the soap operas because we're actually intelligent viewers and we're keeping track of what's happening. And right. You can't go back and then you say, well, okay, but then if I know this and go back and watch that one episode that meant a lot to me, now it means nothing because this is no longer true. So. Yeah, the soap opera twist is pathetic. It's like a professional wrestling twist. Yeah. Most and, adults and, do not watch professional wrestling for a reason. You know In, I mean? Instead of the chair, he's going to grab the ladder. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, no. It's like. No, I know. I'm yeah. Just... I mean, it's so stupid. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. There's a few good twists out there that we all know about in professional oh, wrestling yeah. specifically. But I stopped watching professional wrestling when I was in seventh grade or something like that for a reason, you know. Yeah. I never really watched <laughs> it. I had some friends, I think, in elementary school that watched it. And they were pretty gung-ho about it. Uh but oh, that was the Attitude WCW era. Yeah, it was very popular. But that's kind of the uh, the target audience is elementary school children, right? Yeah, teenage boys, or you know, uh, and uh, younger and younger. Yes, <laughs> or or men that have hair that's longer in the back than in the front. Yes, yes, I resemble that remark. <laughs> but you don't have a mullet. You've got no, gorgeous. You've got gorgeous locks, not a mullet. I do. It's all long. <laughs> Even though so, I did trim my beard again, nice and nice and tight. Yep. I'm uh, so, I'm getting to that stage now. Like it's it's a beautiful beautiful day here in Minnesota, and uh, but it's getting to that point where it's like I'm going to start growing the beard, the winter beard. So not yeah, quite. I'm yet, not going to let gonna... it get as long as I did during COVID. Yeah, that was ridiculous. You got to the point where I couldn't even fucking eat, you know. Yep. So, and everybody loves to eat. I know I everybody do. Everybody loves to eat. Yeah, nobody so. wants their beard hair coming up into their mouth. So, uh, mine. So I'm I'm at a, a little less than an inch, and it's starting to get a bit uh, a bit bitter on me. Oh wow! See, I have an inch and a half. I kind of slowed down and really kind of enjoyed how smooth it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had this one. You know what? This one, I don't know what it is. I'm 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 sure it's, you know, how they pack it, right? 
but uh, I had going like a two and a half inch ash on this one. It was oh, phenomenal. Wow. It was amazing. It had um, nice ash. It did. <laughs> uh, very good. And I drank, uh, I started out with a foggy geezer from mm. War Pigs, which is really good. I don't good. like that. Mike doesn't like that, but you know what? Right. It's good. And uh, and I'm I'm finishing here now with another one Mike doesn't like, uh, and that's the spotted cow. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went. Not that uh, I don't like it. I just don't think it's anything special. You know, it's special because you can't get it outside of Wisconsin, and sure. uh, it's not a bad beer. It's not my go-to from them, but we went and uh, I, we went and visited my brother for his uh, baby shower. And then we bought a 24-pack of Spotted Cow. And then we uh, got Dave, who was on as a guest uh, many episodes back now uh, in the early days. Um, we got him uh, his favorite, which is the Two Women Lager. Uh, my favorite is the Moon Man. I've never had Moon Man. Okay. I've I'll, had some uh, of their sours, which I liked yes. all of them. They were okay. all good. Next time I'm in, uh, next time I'm over there, I'm going to grab some Moon Man for you and I, and we're going to do a special Moon Man uh, episode or something. Perfect. I know we're a cigar podcast, but we'll work it in. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. We're uh, we talk once a week podcast is what we are. Yes, <laughs> we we shoot the shit and let you know if the thing we're smoking is good or not. Uh, and I would recommend this one. This one's really good. Yeah, they're good. The nubs are uh, very popular. Uh, for a reason, for good reason. Well respected. So, uh, this is one of the more well known. No, not really. The Rocky Patels are really famous too. But, yeah. Uh, this is generally more mainstream. You know, if you go to a decent cigar shop, they're going to have a couple nubs there for sure. Oh, yeah. They're going to have some. Uh, I would, I would recommend grabbing this, uh, Nub Cameroon. And if you can smoke inside, throw on Donovan's Reef if you want something that's not your stereotypical John Wayne movie. Right. It's slapstick. You know, you're going to find the uh, the king of the United States of America in there. And, yep. Uh, that was a funny. priest that steals money. <laughs> but, he, but he won't ever fix his roof. Right. He won't ever fix his roof. He'll make and, you uh, upset as a homeowner. Like, if yeah, you own a home, you're going to be mad at this guy. Some mild relatively mild anti-chinese racist jokes which i I even caught on when i was a teenager i was like you know "Mm, what that's a racist joke (laughs) you know what my favorite part of the whole thing was Hmm. was when the british people come to the come to his bar and they get into this huge fight because they're calling them limeys and everything and the british are trying to be all proper and everything and they just get into this like mad free-for-all brawl like that was worth watching the movie, in my opinion. <laughs> that was like the best part. I like how half the British guys are clearly not British. Well, yes, <laughs> they have the well. Michael uh, Michael Wayne is the commander, even though he's yep, younger than yep. all the other guys. <laughs> he's like, what? How did that happen? <laughs> yep. It's, is, uh, this, is his is his son's name Michael or Patrick? I think it's Patrick Michael Wayne or something. Oh, like that. okay, okay. Yeah, his it's all the, all the, the he's got all of his kids have like the Patrick and the Michaels and the. Oh yeah. Because his name is Maurice Patrick, that he was supposed to be called Maurice. No, Marion. So his Marian, name is Marion. Yeah, Marion. Yeah. Marian. 
I've been so, to his birthplace. Oh, really? Yes. Somerset, Iowa. Nice. Nice. Worth a trip if you're, you know, in Iowa for any other reason. Right. Uh, but I, I don't really uh, recommend Iowa to people. Uh, uh, unless, yeah. unless you, the listener, are from there, then it's my favorite state. Right. I mean, I, I've spent some time in Iowa working, and it was fine. They do tractor pulls and stuff. <laughs> That's I know true. John Wayne Gacy's from there. <laughs> so it's got to be an interesting place. Right? Well, huzzah. Yeah, all right. Got to be known for something. <laughs> so... Anyway, yeah, this is a good cigar. Um, gets bitter towards the end, which is yeah. not surprising given its girth. Well, and length, too, you know. Well, it's a relatively short cigar, but it is. That's what I mean. Like, it's short. Yeah. Big around. Woo-hoo. But the start of our nub series, this was a good a good start. And uh, catch us next week for the next In the Nub series. Be safe, have fun. Thanks for listening. Thank you.